0: Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich.
1: This is Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. I've got an idea... "'Let's carry some coals to Newcastle,' said the Englishman. "'I've got a better idea. Let's bring some sand to the desert,' said the Bedouin. "'How about this? Let's bring a new history museum to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania,' said Andrew Dalton, executive director of the Adams County Historical Society. "'I don't know how the coals and the sand worked out, but the Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum is a reality. I've been there, and it's spectacular.'" We'll talk about it with Andrew Dalton tonight on Civil War Talk Radio.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. o-w-i-c-z-g at ECU.edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio.
1: And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Coming to you tonight from our usual location, the third floor of the Brewster Building, A320 to be precise, on the campus of East Carolina University, here in Greenville, North Carolina, but as always not representing the university or the UNC system or the Department of History or anybody at all, just myself and our guest likewise speaks only for himself. Unless he wants to speak for the Adams County Historical Society, that's up to him. Well, it's good to be back on campus. It's the Middle of November, 2023. It's dark outside at showtime, 7 p.m. Eastern, as it should be. It's starting to finally get a little bit cold here in November in North Carolina. And wonder of wonders, last weekend, the Pirates won a game. To steal a riff from GMAC Cash, the Pirates won a game. The Pirates won a game. Uh, the ECU Pirates won uh, their First road victory, first victory against a Division One team this season. Uh, it was a, a, a it was a good thing. I won't say it was glorious. When you're two and eight, you can't really get too excited about it. But hey, uh, the Pirates won a game. My other team, University of Michigan, uh, on the field looked good as always, uh, beating Penn State the old-fashioned way. Not a single forward pass thrown in the second half. Maybe one that of course is the way football should be played um those of us who remember the the good old days of the big two uh and little eight when when bow and woody dominated the scene in big ten football uh as as we used to say back then when you throw a forward pass in football three things can happen and two of them are bad uh keep the ball on the ground win the game that way that was fun to watch uh and for my new team, the team I mentioned last week, my new bandwagon, I've jumped aboard uh, Aiden's uh, youth hockey team up in Canada. Uh, I have no idea how they're doing. I haven't heard from his dad, a Civil War Talk Radio listener, who mentioned that his son is playing youth hockey and haven't heard from Aiden either, uh, not surprisingly. Uh, but if I hear from them about the team, I'll let you know how they're doing. In the meantime, I'm I'm their biggest fan. Back here on campus, uh, had an internet outage today, briefly, during the afternoon at East Carolina. That has not happened, uh, at least not when I've been online, really ever before, where everything went down. That was kind of scary. Uh, but it's back up, and hopefully we'll stay up through the show. It is a uh, uh, important to keep things going obviously during the show and we're getting up towards the Thanksgiving holiday then final exams it's not the time for the technology to be breaking down Uh, which brings me to the subject of the headphones I'm wearing right now I have been wearing them not the entire 20 years of the show but a fair amount and they are wonderful except the foam pads have worn completely away and I just stick pieces of, of cloth up against my ears to avoid having them chewed into bloody ribbons by the end of the hour. The headphones actually belong to the department. At some point in the very distant past, when there was money to be had, we bought headphones, I think when we were first starting to do online teaching. And I don't know if I could get a replacement pair as good as these. I, I looked online to see and this version costs over $100, which I know the last time we bought headphones in the department, they were $15, you know, Fisher-Price knockoffs. Um, so I'm looking at replacing these with my own money, or more accurately, with your own money. Uh, when you contribute, when you go to impedimentsofwar.org and click on the PayPal button there, you can contribute to Civil War Talk Radio Uh And help me buy a new set of headphones to do the show in in more comfort. Those of you who are highly tech savvy are saying, dude, you can just buy a pair of uh, pads and replace those. You don't need to replace the headphones. And that's true. But who wants to do that? Um, Well, the headphone fund is open uh it looks like they they are going to cost somewhere north of $100 to replace this model and the first uh listener to donate uh, substantially to this let's say $50 or a recurring gift of $10 a month i will name the pair of headphones after you uh no one else needs to know about it uh, it can be private but i will name i will put your name on a piece of masking tape on the side of the headphones and and think glowingly of you every time I wear them. Uh, so contribute to the Civil War Talk Radio Headphones Fund. Any extra funds, as always, will be spent on books and bourbon and whatever else. None of it is tax-deductible. Don't try that. It's not a 501c3. It's just for headphones. No show next week. It's Thanksgiving here in the USA. Uh, we'll be back on November 29th. Canazorn, Wongs Rich Anilai, and David Sibley, co-editors of the book Wars Civil and Great The American Experience of the Civil War and World War One will be here to talk comparative history on the final show of the season the winter season we'll have John Banks talking about his Civil War road trip of a lifetime Antietam, Gettysburg and beyond and then we'll take a break come back in uh, January Elizabeth Varon will be with us to talk about James Longstreet well Tonight we are talking about the beyond the Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and our guest is the executive director of the Adams county Historical Society Andrew dalton uh, Andrew are you there I am yes welcome Hi, to the show thanks for having me glad glad to have you here um, i we have not met personally I got a three-second glimpse of you when we both logged on and you had your camera on. Mine is always <laughs> wisely turned off uh, for the show. But uh, you're younger than I am by a factor of two, I'm going to guess. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background. How, how, how do you get to be uh, an historical society executive director?
3: Well, I, I grew up here in Gettysburg, and uh, my mother taught at Gettysburg College for many years. So I have mm-hmm. a uh, a background that goes very far back here, and uh, I went to Gettysburg College, graduated in 2019 with a degree in history and political science. And uh, but all through college and all through high school, I had uh, really taken a liking to the Adams County Historical Society. I became a volunteer. I was really enthralled by the incredible collection we have—more than a million items, records, artifacts, photographs—that uh, tell the story of Gettysburg, the place and the people and the community. And, of course, the, the the surrounding towns and villages as well. But uh, I was just, uh, I, I fell in love with the place. And, and so uh, when I graduated from Gettysburg College, uh, it was actually kind of a surprise to me. But my predecessor, who I, who I worked very closely with, uh, left and took another job at another historical society. And so I was uh, sort of uh, <laughs> up to bat and, uh, and decided I would take a, a swing at, at uh, getting us a new uh, facility, which was the big challenge for the organization at the time.
1: Well, the first question I have to ask, um, who is your favorite professor at Gettysburg College? <laughs> uh,
3: I would say – well, I had a few. Dr. Michael and- Berkner is a good friend of mine. Um, I grew up with, with, with Michael. Uh, he was a close friend of the family, and I was lucky to have him in class. I uh, also had classes with, uh, that I really enjoyed with uh, Ian Isherwood in the history department, he's a younger guy, um, and uh, you know, political science classes as well that I really enjoyed. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting, I got to know, uh, Dr. Charles Glatfelter through the historical society. He was a longtime professor at the college and, uh, of history. And, uh, he was our director for, I think over 50 years. And so it was a mm. real pleasure to get to know him even after his career at Gettysburg.
1: So take us to the, the first meeting where somebody, uh, says, Hey, You know, we're in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. We get a million guests a year. They're all here to look at the battlefield, the uh, Visitor Center Museum, the Seminary Ridge Museum, the Children's Museum, the Cat Figures Museum. Um, (laughs) We're all here. uh, Let's build another museum. Right. What was that meeting like?
3: Sure. Well, I think, so the organization was existing out of an aging Victorian house uh, on the seminary campus. And a lot of our collection, our artifacts, were actually packed up in large storage crates at a warehouse. Um, And and really, you know, to directly answer your question, there's not a single museum uh, at that time. There was not a single museum um, or any uh, entity of any kind that was telling the story of Gettysburg as a place, the community. Uh, And that story goes all the way back to, you know, before the revolutionary war and and it goes all the way up you know to the to present times but in a town as famous as gettysburg you would expect to see a large you know museum filled with you know the stories of of uh, of the place and the people and and the human interest side of of the town uh, you know we have a lot of museums wonderful museums in gettysburg almost all of them sort of begin and end with the battle in 1863 And so for us, it was really important to expand that story and and actually, you know, give visitors an idea of what this place was like before and how the town coped with the battle, uh, lived through the battle, then coped with the battle. And and eventually, you know, our our community was able to to become a, a tourism mecca. Uh, for visitors around the world, millions of people who who come to this place and you know, that really hasn't happened in places like Sharpsburg and vicksburg and and uh, you know other other towns where uh you know or or small cities where there was a large battle
1: well it is uh, that's something historians are becoming more aware of I think we've seen more books recently on the aftermath um, the the wonderful new book on the aftermath of the Battle of Antietam uh, mm. that came out this year. That We're becoming more aware, I think, of the, of the human cost of, of warfare, uh, not just the, the uh, uniformed armies that fight, but the, what happens afterwards. So it makes sense. Uh, your museum certainly has a, a story to tell in that regard, as well as the, the historiography, the development. Uh, there There are Multiple books on the the history of Gettysburg Battlefield. I'm thinking, uh, Jen Murray comes to mind. Um, right. Uh, right. Uh, uh, who else? David uh, Tom Desjardins, I think, had a book on that. There, there's, there are several. So, so uh, there's so there is such a great story to tell. Um, let me though ask a different. What I like in the second segment, we'll walk through the museum uh, and talk about what's there. But I want to ask this question about building a new museum, do you have reasonable amounts of uh, collection storage, exhibit prep, education space, administrative space, volunteer space, uh, and so on? And I ask that because there's talk of building a museum here on campus, and I know the people who are in charge of the project uh, have no idea about any of those things. They imagine a museum consists of exhibits. And right. a guy with a little duster that brushes them off once in a while,
3: right? Did you yeah. have to fight that battle? Uh, um, well, luckily, you know, we're a small organization, so our staff really has a lot of, uh, you know, it is our staff's really driving the ship in terms of design and operational decisions. We did build this building from scratch. It's twenty five thousand square feet, and I think all of us, in, including our board and you know donors, felt that it was really important that that we built, it, you're, you hit the nail on the head, places where other things can happen other than just exhibits. You know, if, I've heard a, a joke that, you know, if curators designed a new building, it would be 99% exhibits. And, you know, that's what historians and, and uh, you know, museum professionals tend to like is more and more and more with, with artifacts on display and exhibits and interpretation. Uh, but we have a large venue that, that seats 200 people overlooking the battlefield for events upstairs in our building. Um, and we have a, a large archives as well. That's about 5,000 square feet, uh, with a library and a reading room attached upstairs. We also have a separate building behind the main building for our three dimensional objects. That's basically an artifact storage, uh, mm-hmm. facility. And, uh, so we do have a lot of space for, for everything else, you know, the storage, the programs, education, mm-hmm. um, offices. I wish we had more offices cause our staff has grown right. pretty <laughs> considerably since, uh, in the last year. Um, but, uh, yeah that's an excellent question and i would say you know the big difference for us is our old facility and our storage locations had no climate control no fire protection little security and now you know this treasure trove of basically the entire preserved history of gettysburg is safe and that was the real impetus for our fundraising campaign and luckily we were very successful with that we raised more than 12 million dollars and we were debt free Um, and uh, with a very small team working on it. I'm, I'm just very proud of that, and I'm proud of, uh, you know, that we've had 30,000-plus visitors to the museum in just about six months, which is far beyond what we initially expected. So well, I'm very that, happy that is, with how this turned out.
1: <laughs> that That is wonderful. I'm, I'm delighted to hear that and that things are going so well. Um, real quick, we have to take a break, but where is the museum if someone's – hanging up the phone and running to Gettysburg right now, where will they find you?
3: It's uh, less than a mile north of town. So if you go out Carlisle street past the majestic theater and the train station, you just go a little bit uh, further. That's basically the last building as you're exiting town on the right. Uh, So it's, it's uh, on the Northern edge, right adjacent to the battlefield in Barlow's knoll.
1: Wonderful. Well, we will talk more with our guest tonight, Andrew Dalton. He's executive director of the Adams County Historical Society and the new Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio.
2: Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to ProkopovichG at ECU.edu. That's P R O K O P o-w-i-c-z-g at e-c-u dot e-d-u. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio.
1: And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich talking tonight with Andrew Dalton. He's the Executive Director of the Adams County Historical Society, and Adams County, of course, is where Gettysburg is located in Pennsylvania, and thus he's also the director of the new Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum, which opened uh, – Andrew, that opened th- this Liberal year, 15th, correct? Yep. yep. Okay. So uh, it is uh, – as we ended the last segment talking, it, it's located literally on the battlefield, not on Park Service land, but uh, it, as you go north from the town – uh, I know, listeners, you all have a map of Gettysburg in your minds. You picture yourself uh, on the first day's battlefield with the 11th Corps uh, facing north as uh, Early's division is, is coming in from the northeast. And uh, there on Barlow's Knoll, there's the 11th Corps defending. And right across the street, there's the Adams County Historical Society, the Beyond the Battlefield. Beyond the Battle Museum that has just opened uh, okay. in a new building, it's not—it's not an intrusive building. It blends in nicely with the landscape and uh, makes you aware that you're—you're—you're you're, you're on the battlefield. Uh, the museum is not trying to uh, escape. I guess that was one of my concerns when I first heard about this plan: was that this—is this going to be an inward-looking thing for people in Adams County who want to have? A sort of county seat historical society well here's my grandfather's old <laughs> sort of thing uh, it, almost turning its back on the what brings people to town which is of course the battle but I've been there and it's nothing like that at all um, you said you've got 30,000 visitors so far are they are people coming from within the county to see this are they are they mostly yes. tourists battlefield tourists coming to see it? Who's who's your audience?
3: We've had a, a big mix, uh, I would say. Uh, about 80%, though, from the data I've seen are from outside our zip code. So uh, we are mm-hmm. seeing a significant number of tourists coming through, which is wonderful. Uh, and I think a lot of tourists are looking for the human interest story, and especially visitors who've been here multiple times, and they've been to mm-hmm. the visitor center and some of the other experiences. And this sort of broadens their, uh, you know, we, we hope that it will broaden their, their perspective on Gettysburg and especially the focus on the civilians during the battle, which is the largest section of our museum that I, I think we're, we're most proud of the work that went into that. Um, but it's hard, you know, we're doing two things at the same time. We are a county historical society and we have to tell the story of, of this place, uh, in, and not just Gettysburg, not just the civil war. Um, but we also recognize that the most important things that have ever happened in Adams County, uh, happened here in 1863.
1: Well, the, the, uh, the civilian experience really is sort of the centerpiece of the museum. Uh, it, it, the uh, trying to think what the best way to approach this is that uh, I'm, I'm remembering uh i, I attended the uh, civil war institute at gettysburg college in in june this past year and took the opportunity to go visit the museum at that time and i guess the first thing i that struck me going in there was uh sort of it was nice to be in a museum that was that begins really as a natural history museum. At least the very opening, you you, you learn about the geography, uh, the the flora and fauna, the indigenous inhabitants. Uh, it's sort of a relief if you've been steeped in civil war and you've been touring battlefields, and uh, uh, it was actually kind of nice to see oh, here is some there's other history, other than 1861 1865 Listeners, this may come as a shock. Um, <laughs> but it it was it was pleasant um I, I grew up fascinated by the civil war but also by dinosaurs and you've got di- well, you've got evidence of dinosaurs there that's right yeah
3: we have some dinosaur footprints that were found locally and for the really hardcore gettysburg buffs you'll know that there are dinosaur footprints on a bridge along uh, uh confederate avenue well what we, actually it's after confederate avenue ends along uh at the base of big round top at plum run Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so that those footprints were quarried in the 1930s locally and uh, larger and actually, I think, more impressive specimens ended up in our collection. And we have them on display. Um, And when you first walk in, you know, one of the first things we tackle in addition to the dinosaurs is rock formations. People are obsessed by the rock formations around Gettysburg, of course, most famously Devil's Den. But how did Mm -hmm. these giant boulders get to be where they are? And, you know, what's the some of the science behind that? Uh, what are some of the legends uh, that were, you know, circulated early on by, you know, the storytellers in our community? Um, and, and in fact, I'm sure you noticed, but when you walk in, we project our introductory film, which is just a, a few minutes, onto mm-hmm. uh, the rocks of Devil's Den. We we recreate; um, it's a much smaller version, of course, mm-hmm. um, but still. Uh, I, I was very impressed with the museum designers that they were able to to pull that off.
1: So let me ask about working with the museum designers that. that- uh, that can be a, a wonderful experience, and it can be a hellish nightmare. <laughs> uh, it how 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 involved were you? Uh, let me put it this way: I worked in a museum. We once built a major exhibit. We had three firms come in to audition, essentially uh, compete for the job. And one came in and said, "We're just going to take over. Your staff's going to hate it. We're just going to do the whole thing. It's going to be perfect." Or, and another one came in and said, we don't know what we're doing, you'll have to tell us everything. And the third was just right. They came in and said, we will work with your staff. You have the expertise, we have the technical knowledge, and we had a wonderful partnership. Uh, where on that scale did, did, did your bill you know? go?
3: <laughs> well, you've clearly been in this business a long time because that's exactly <laughs> how these things work. Um, and, and I have, in, in my very short time you know, working in, in public history, I've seen Probably examples of the the first and second example, um, and, and and having uh, you know seen those things play out, we uh, uh, were very careful in choosing uh, the designer. We ended up going with Healy Kohler Design out of Washington D.C. Uh, mm-hmm. They have done a lot of great projects, including the Museum of the American Revolution in Philadelphia, which is one of my favorite museums. Uh, but they really impressed us, and we worked extremely close with them. Uh, our historian Tim Smith and I wrote the mm-hmm. entire text, which felt like writing a book. Um, and uh, uh, but w- w- but they had the graphic um, and, and artistic skills to really bring it to life. Uh, one thing I really enjoyed about working with them is they um, they're really uh, concerned with the visitor experience and making sure that. Things change throughout the museum, that the same colors and themes and aesthetic isn't just repeated over and over and over in every section. Mm-hmm. Because your eyes and your mind get tired of that. And And I've seen that at museums, and I'd never really mm-hmm. thought about it until they explained it. But um, our visitor center here in Gettysburg, of course, it's a beautiful museum uh, filled with incredible artifacts, great stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend that people go and see it. Um, But style-wise, it's exactly the same from the minute you walk in until the minute you leave. And I know just anecdotally from talking to park rangers over there that a lot of people just peel off and they can't get through it because it's just a little bit overwhelming if you're not a big history buff. Um, And so for us, we were really concerned after hearing about this, that, you know, we pick a, a, a design firm that could really differentiate the spaces and the themes. And you're sort of walking through time. And, and, and as you go through time, the, the, even the lighting changes to make, you know, things brighter and more, you know, colorful, and then uh, sort of culminates with the modern era where it's the brightest. Uh, and then you start in kind of a darker, you know, foresty type environment. So I was really impressed by that. It's just a, a, a lot more experience driven.
1: There is so much that goes into exhibit design that uh that if it's done right the public doesn't notice or think about but uh just improves the experience and i will i agree with you about the visitor center uh uh at at Gettysburg which I've been to many many times and uh obviously it's a place everyone should visit listeners if you haven't been to Gettysburg for whatever reason uh don't miss the visitor center uh it it's but, but plan your time uh, when I lead groups there people come out and they're just just rung out um, it and, and I can't finish it all in one walkthrough myself it's there is too much um, which is fine you know it encourages you to come back that's that's part of the plan sometimes but it, it, it is all that same uh, color scheme and lighting level and it does kind of uh, re- become almost oppressive by the time you're done now in your museum uh the 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 civilian experience is is where you know i would say the 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 centerpiece of you you said uh, the centerpiece of it and the thing that was most memorable for me certainly was the opportunity to uh go into one of the civilian homes uh recreated of course on the you walk into a a room through a wooden wooden door, and then you're imagining you're now in uh, eighteen sixty three and it's July one and you're a civilian in Gettysburg. Uh, although when you go in, you're not on the first floor, you're in the cellar.
3: Uh, actually, you are on the first floor so the 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 cellar the cellar is oh. right below, so we actually sunk the floor um, and okay. the voices that you hear are coming from below uh, some of them, and then you have soldiers outside but uh the uh the cellar is actually underneath your feet which is sort of an a, a little bit of an illusion that we've created because it's not a okay. real basement it's just kind of a sunken area
1: <laughs> okay so so we're in this dark room and uh and we hear the sounds of the battle outside uh right the confederate well both sides federal and confederate soldiers running down the street voices right. gunshots um, uh it it's it's quite intense. Um, do, do you, have you had children get scared in there?
3: Uh, we have, although, you know, I'm not as much as I had worried that we would, um, uh-huh. you know, this is kind of an interesting thing and I don't want to get too much into the weeds of the museum development, uh, component here, but I felt that, you know, sometimes the civilian experience is, is really cheapened, um, and softened. Um, and, and it's more about you know how they lived their lives and you know how they cooked and cleaned and you know what what the their household implements were like and I sort of wanted you know in our whole team we wanted to convey how dramatic and real this was for ordinary people who were caught in the middle of all of it. They didn't sign up <laughs> uh, to to fight. No. Um, They didn't expect a battle to happen in their, you know, in their backyards. And so we have a treasure trove of first person accounts from these people, letters and diaries and and uh, uh, newspaper articles. And and I have always been drawn to these because I just think they there's a a power, you know, in them that's just, you know, it's emotional to think about kids and and parents, you know, trying to keep loved ones safe. Pets that were, you know, loose outside that the, mm. they're trying to get. Just all of the, you know, split-second decisions that had to be made by these people, um, and, and really we're not all that different from them. Um, and I've had—so so the, the idea behind it was to really create an authentic um, experience that didn't soften what they went through, um, even at the risk of having some visitors uh, feel that it's a little too intense, which we have had, especially veterans, mm. actually, who have been in combat— oh. um, mm. Because the sounds that we recorded for that experience were actually real. We went to a shooting range in Virginia at the mm-hmm. North-South Skirmish Association, and we captured, um, you know, sounds of discharge and impact through wood and glass and metal and, and you know, uh, incoming artillery fire. Um, so when you're in there and you close your eyes for a few seconds, I, I, I really like to, you know, for people to understand that those are the actual sounds that they heard. Uh, while they were hiding in their cellars. Um, and uh, so you walk in and you hear them from below talking and you hear the battle kind <laughs> of um, passing by as the Confederates capture the town on the first day. But it was really, um, it, it was incredible. It's a, an experience of a lifetime putting that together. And the script for the family that you hear was actually written by our good friend, Jeff Schera, um who's yeah. just a, a brilliant uh, storyteller um, and was <laughs> able to take these original accounts and weave them together into a short dialogue.
1: Wow. That, that's uh, a, a high pedigree. I'm, I'm guessing, listeners, you, you've all read Killer Angels by, by Michael Shara, and, uh, and his son Jeff lives in Gettysburg, and, and so he wrote that. That That's impressive. Yeah, it uh, was really let cool me drop to work an, with him. <laughs> let me drop another Gettysburg name, uh, Nancy Gudmistad. Uh, yes, who, yep who runs the, the Shriver house museum, which listeners, that's the next place you go when yes. you visit Gettysburg. Wonderful museum. Uh, it is a civilian house from 1863 and she and her staff give you a tour that tells the story, not of civilians in general, but of the family that lived in that house, what they went through. You see the bullet holes in the wall. Uh, and, uh, when I was chatting with her, uh, she remembered you, um, uh, and uh, uh, the the connection between her presentation of the civilian story and yours is like this this chain of history happening in Gettysburg.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I think the crossover there is just phenomenal. Um, to you know, what we've done obviously is a recreation, but you you can then go and step into the actual home of a local family and hear about what they went through um i think she does a phenomenal job with that and we're close partners of the shriver house and um and uh, nancy's actually on our board so um, i'm glad yeah. you brought that up highly recommend that uh, visitors see that if
1: they haven't already yeah it, it is one of the the great experiences and it shares uh that, that same sentiment you've expressed of not softening the uh the the experience of civilians that uh, I, I don't want to say too much more because visitors, when you go, it, there's a wonderful narrative and I'm not going to spoil the ending or anything else in it, but uh, it, it's, it's real. Uh, and you, you can read the sources uh, from which it's drawn uh, much as at, at your location. So in addition to the, uh, to that exhibit, uh if I'm rushing through your through your museum, which is a mistake, uh, and I do have time to have the civilian experience, now I've only got a few minutes uh, to see w- one other thing related to the the Civil War, Gettysburg. Uh, what's the one thing you would say? Oh, you got to see this.
3: Wow, I'd say uh, two things. One, we have an original program from the Gettysburg Address on display. Uh, and it's an exceptionally rare artifact. I actually found it while I was a volunteer. I think I was in high school or early college, and I was just an intern working through unlabeled papers and unlabeled boxes. And <laughs> there it was—an actual program. There's only maybe a handful, if that, in, in the world that still exist. And a local business had used it as a piece of scrap paper uh, oh. at the time. So anyway, this is on display very soon after you exit the Crossfire experience, and I highly recommend. You know, you can you can get really up close with it and it's amazing to think this was held in someone's hand right in front of the the dais you know as lincoln's Mm -hmm. delivering the speech uh, which is pertinent to the the date we're recording this uh just a few days from the 160th anniversary the second thing really quick is we have a changing exhibit that will be up for another year and it features the uh, private
1: collection of william a frasinito uh, let's uh, hold off on let's let's hold off i want to ask you about that in detail in the next segment because that uh, that might be my favorite thing that I saw that day. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to hold on to that one. Uh, but there is so much, uh, there is a lot to see there. How much time should a visitor put aside to go through the museum?
3: We've had people in there, you know, anywhere from from one to two hours. I think uh, an hour to 90 minutes is probably the most uh, common uh, for mm-hmm. visitors. Unless, you know, I'm sure some of your listeners, we've had people in there for you know, five or six hours reading sure. just about everything, um, and we do have over a thousand artifacts on display, and they're all original. So, mm-hmm. if you like, you know, seeing artifacts, this is a museum where I think uh, people will will enjoy uh, the the volume
1: of what's displayed. So, we're talking uh, tonight with. Oh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I'm looking, and it. it says uh, two minutes till the break, and I'm rushing us to the break. <laughs> I'm rushing us to the break because I really want to talk about those Frasnito photographs, uh, uh, which we'll get to in our third segment. But uh, you mentioned we talked about the Triver House. Uh, are there other partnerships that you have in town? Uh, businesses or uh, uh, with the college or museums? Sure. Uh,
3: yeah, we have great uh, partners in Gettysburg. We work a lot with the American Battlefield Trust. Gary Edelman is a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also great friends with uh, the Dobbin House here in Gettysburg. I, I'd, sure. you know, I'm i partial, but I'd say the best dinner you can get
1: <laughs> here in I've, town. I've had many dinners uh, there, and it's always very good. Always very
3: and, good. And uh, the, the Jenny Wade House also, where you know the only civilian killed during the battle uh, we're we're uh, close friends with the owners and operators of that museum. I highly recommend that that people check that out as well.
1: So many things uh, to see in Gettysburg besides the battlefield that we all of course know about uh, all worth checking out uh, next time you're there. We're talking tonight with Andrew Dalton. He is the Executive director of the Adams County Historical Society and uh, thus the Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum, which opened uh, this past year in April of 2023 and has already seen 30,000 visitors. Uh, listeners, you should be uh, among the next ones. We're going to take a short break. We'll talk more with Andrew Dalton when we come back. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio.
0: Streaming live self-improvement career advice and a variety of other topics check us out today you're sure to find something of interest voice america variety talk on today's hot topics
2: voice america is on linkedin connect with us today
0: have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy that's P R O K O P O W I C Z G at ECU.edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio.
1: And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Andrew Dalton, Executive Director of the Adams County Historical Society. And we've been talking about his new museum, the Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum. In, of course, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, that tells the story not just of the uh, uh, the battle, but of the the town of Gettysburg, uh, the things you see uh, around it. I'm looking at my phone right now at uh, an artifact called Parlor Game: Battle of Gettysburg uh, that I took a picture of because I thought it was so cool. Uh, Lafferty and Smith of Camptown, Pennsylvania, created the Battle of Gettysburg Parlor Game. This set was produced around 1890. Um, so many interesting artifacts of the the battle culture around the city uh, after the battle, uh, like this parlor game. I'm guessing a lot of people who go there, uh, including even listeners who know a lot about the battle, don't picture there being a railroad running across the battlefield at one time. Uh, But that's one of the many things we learned from, from your museum.
3: Yeah. Commercialism started pretty much immediately after the battle. That is something that's sort of, I think stunning uh, to, to many visitors. And it's still something that we, you know, have balanced today with preservation there. You know, there's always been um, a a need and a desire uh, in our community to, to, to care for the battlefield, to care for the, the, the uh, legacy. Um, uh, and at the same time, there have been, you know, entrepreneuring <laughs> citizens since, you know, the beginning and, and, you know, we've had hotels and we've had, uh, as you mentioned, there was a, a very controversial trolley that was uh, put through the battlefield in the 1890s, very unpopular with the veterans um and uh, And so this battle between monuments and and preservation and and you know commercial attractions has been going on and continues today uh, and we wanted to cover that as best we could in the museum
1: through artifacts now it, it's a fascinating story and you do show that and uh, uh, who's the most famous person from Gettysburg who was not at the battle uh other than dwight Eisenhower, let's say
3: well. I'd say uh, Thaddeus Stevens, you know, he wasn't born here, but he began his legal career in Gettysburg mm. before the Civil War and was here a couple decades of, of his early life, uh, kind of his his, his uh, formative years, and uh, really developed his abolitionist uh, attitudes while here in Gettysburg. So I'd say, you know, besides Eisenhower and his, his obvious connection, mm. Stevens is pretty close. Um, you could also look at, you know, earlier... Uh, Mary Jemison who was kidnapped by uh, a a French and Indian war party during the French and Indian war uh, was from Adams County. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that has actually become uh, a pretty famous story, especially in upstate New York uh, where she ended up um, with the Seneca later in her life. Uh, But that all, that story originated here. Um, So there are bits and pieces we have, you know, famous baseball player, Eddie Plank. We have a little bit on him in the last gallery. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of the figures associated with the battle, obviously, Jenny Wade and John Burns, um, they, they're quite well known, I would say, outside, um, in some circles, outside Gettysburg. We haven't had any anybody really famous who was born here, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> John Burns – I, I finally went ahead and ordered myself the John Burns uh, <laughs> t-shirt of him captioned, they get off, get off, off my, of lawn. my lawn.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. Down here in North Carolina, it goes with my, my Sherman Civil War <laughs> Talk radio t-shirt. Um, oh, that's great. Which listeners, you can buy those too. Uh well, I, you mentioned the the temporary exhibit room, which currently has the uh, photographs and, and notes by William Frasenito. Listeners, you probably have read at some point Frasenito's book, Gettysburg, The Journey in Time. Uh, he's the famous scholar of photography who discovered that many of the most famous photos, like the, the sniper at Devil's Den, were posed. Uh, he located where these photos were taken. So what exactly do you have in the, uh, in, in that gallery?
3: Well, it's Frasnito's private photographic collection, not all of it, mm. but the mm-hmm. most important items. And he is just, uh, his career is fascinating. Um, you know, as you mentioned, he really pioneered a, a a field within Civil sure. war history, uh, within you could say probably within history more broadly, and that is you know studying photographs and as historical documents and using them to to inform our understanding of you know of, of how these events took place. Photos had been used, you know, as he likes to say, as window dressing in books by historians for for many years, and mm-hmm. you know they 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 were just meant to accompany the text and and not to enhance it, not to uh um to really open up a window. Um, and so by finding the locations where these photographs were taken, which was a very novel approach, um, he was able to, you know, to create a, a sub-genre. Um, and so the, the exhibit's about his career, his life, um, but but it features many of the rare Gettysburg photographs he's collected over the years, um, including I think the rarest item in our, in our entire museum right now is a, a print recorded by uh, the Tyson Brothers Here in Gettysburg, a local photographic firm uh, at uh, basically of the procession to the National Cemetery with uh, Abraham Lincoln's uh, entourage, um, you know, riding down Baltimore Street. Uh, And and that's the only photographic print that we know of that was made uh, from all of the photos recorded that day. The negatives are in Washington at the National Archives in the Library of Congress. But uh, this is a contemporary print. Uh, and so it's really a one-of-a-kind piece, ex- exceptionally rare. Uh, I, I always I, I get chills just looking at it and thinking about how that's you know one of the only existing photos, and it's the only copy of that photo too. There's never been another print found. The negative's gone. So um, that's that's uh, one of my favorite things that we have in the museum.
1: Well, it it is. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time looking at those photos. Uh, uh, if you think you know the battlefield, you see it. Differently, and if you think you know the photos that we've all seen uh, famous photos of Gettysburg and to see the the notes that show how he works out well if this rock was here then that rock is there then this must be where they had the camera and and putting it together uh it just just fascinating stuff so uh your board would not forgive uh, either of us if I didn't ask questions like so uh how do, how do I arrange a visit? Uh, what are the hours sure. what are the prices? what's the web sure. address?
3: Thank you I appreciate the opportunity and, and also just uh, really appreciate what you do to continue to keep these things um, in the in the limelight um, but we are open every day uh, We're in December we're going to uh, um, a Thursday through Monday schedule so we're closed Tuesday and Wednesday uh, but until then we're open seven days a week from 10 to five. Uh, and the museum admission is fifteen general fifteen dollars for general admission and lots of discounts for seniors and veterans and uh students and that kind of thing um and uh we uh our website's uh, gettysburgbeyondthebattle.org, dot org one word um or our main website is a c h s adams county historical society a c h s dash p a dot org uh, you can donate you can join members receive free admission and all kinds of discounts uh and and a free admission to many of our events uh, we also have a, a pretty thriving youtube channel uh we have oh. um last i checked I, I could be wrong i think it was fifteen thousand subscribers um oh. maybe a little larger than that now uh but we post videos every week sometimes several a week and uh you can check us out adams county historical society at gettysburg on youtube um, and, uh, our, our historian, Tim Smith has become quite famous for his videos. <laughs> so I'm sure some of you who are listening might know him. Um, he's, a, he has a, a very, uh, unique style of presenting, um,
1: Gettysburg history. <laughs> well, definitely. You, listeners, you definitely want to check that out. It, it seems to me, Andrew, that, that Gettysburg is a particularly good place right now that the, the battlefield, looks as good as it ever has in terms of of preservation and then keeping vegetation down uh, notwithstanding the the beaver lake at the foot of uh, <laughs> little round top that that has right. grown there uh, but that's a temporary thing that'll come and go uh right. but but in general um the the uh the uh, I don't know, there seems like an energy the, the the new places that have opened the children's museum in town, uh small right. place, but 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 a cool little place. Uh, Civil War tales that I tell everybody about is just a delight. Uh, yes. Th- there are such interesting things to see and do there. In addition to, of course, the reason why we all go to see the main sites of the battlefield. Uh it it i i'm speaking as an outsider but but am i wrong to to think that uh think things are are on an upward curve
3: um uh, that's it's it's a mixed bag i would say to be very honest um okay. i'm very excited about where things are going um for us for our organization some of the other organizations in town like you mentioned are doing great things like uh opening the children's museum um and uh, some other uh, smaller museums. But, uh, I would say visitation trends are actually going in a negative direction. So I feel very passionately about, you know, how can we, you know, change course? What, what can we do to really bring more attention and exposure to Gettysburg? Uh, how can we get more people to choose this rather than, you know, Disney or, a you know, a cruise as, as their family vacation, um, and so, you know, making things more interesting for people who are, are not, you know, big history buffs, that's that's something I think I, I'm proud of with our museum, mm-hmm. um, that we've had a lot of people, including friends of mine who are my age, I'm 26, and, you know, they're not big history buffs, but I, I've been happy to see them enjoying what we've built here because it really, you know, includes more than just the standard, you know, text on a wall and artifacts in a case that you can right. actually kind of experience things a little differently um, and and the authenticity of, of using the words of the actual eyewitnesses that's something that you know you, you can never really replace that experience when you're you're kind of reliving an experience with someone and, and hearing their story um, you know it, it's very personal and so that's yeah I'm hoping we can do more of that and you know we uh, we have some big events coming up in the next year and a half um, I'm hoping we can draw um, more uh, people to Gettysburg and, and and have some more national exposure you know through media and through other avenues and again I just really appreciate what you're doing to, to keep uh, the interest alive
1: well it, it is uh, it is a fine museum the uh, you know I, I lead Tours uh, once, twice, sometimes three times a year with Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours, which, uh, listeners, not too early to sign up for uh, next June. They're uh, next May, I think. Uh, next May is the next one I'll be doing. I'm not doing the June one. Um, but sign up for next May. And and every year, we, we follow pretty much the same itinerary, but now I go back to the folks in the home office and say, you know, can't we find a way to get the Seminary Ridge Museum in there? That wasn't open 10 years ago. And now I'll say, can't we find a way to get Beyond the Battle Museum in there? We, Our, our group has a free afternoon uh, as part of the tour. And then people say, well, what should I do? And I say, there are so many things to do. Uh, right. and, and now you've created yet another one that's absolutely worth doing. So, listeners, uh, when you next go to Gettysburg, and I know you will, check out the Beyond the Battle Museum. It's right there where the 11th Corps was, uh, north of, the, of uh, the town, easy to find. Uh, you could walk to it from Gettysburg College if you were so inclined. And uh, you will not be sorry that you saw it Beyond the Battle, uh, the Gettysburg Museum there. Andrew, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Thank you, Jerry. I had a great time. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio.
0: Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.